I would encourage people to think less about competing with each other and more about partnering with each other and enabling each other and making each other more effective and just thinking about ways that we can make all boats rise with this tide. Welcome to the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show with your host, Jerry Saver. Hi, and welcome to episode 28 of the Plant-Based Entrepreneur Show. My name is Jerry Saver, and in this podcast, we're going one-on-one with the people behind the companies that are creating a plant-based future. So if you're looking for inspiration and ideas on how to get started, or if you want to learn more about the skills to run a successful plant-based business, well, you've come to the right place. Now, before we kick this one off, I just want to give you a little heads up. We've been crunching some numbers from our podcast feed, and it looks like the grand majority of listeners are using iPhones and iPads to tune in directly through our website, theplanbasedentrepreneur.com. So if that's you, I just want to let you know that you can also simply subscribe to the Plan Based Entrepreneur Show on iTunes, and you get new episodes delivered directly to your feed. Of course, if you want more, I'd love for you to join our Plan-Based Entrepreneur Insider list. You can do that from our homepage, theplanbasedentrepreneur.com. And right now, signing up will also include a free copy of our report on the seven biggest plan-based business opportunities, along, of course, with regular updates on what is happening in the vegan business world. And speaking of updates, we have a really big announcement coming out in May. I cannot give out much more than that right now except for the fact that it's going to be big and that it's never been done before. So make sure you're subscribed if you want to be the first one to know when we make this public. Now, with that said, let's transition to this week's interview. Do you know people who'd love to eat healthier and include more plant-based foods in their diet, but they just can't find the time or they just manage to go for a week before their busy lifestyle catches up with them? Are you one of them? Well, My guest today is Alexis Fox, and she's the co-founder of a company called Lighter that's aiming to fix all that. I'm guessing you have at least heard of them already because they've been getting a ton of press in the past year or two. But if you don't know them, Lighter is like an app slash platform that just took the idea of meal planning and ran with it as far as technology allows. And I actually know that This description is probably missing out on a whole lot of amazing features, so I'll just let my guests talk about them. Alexis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's absolutely wonderful to be here. I love what you're doing with the show. It's so important for our movement, so thank you for having me. Thank you, and I'm really glad that we're finally talking because I really meant that you guys have been getting a ton of press in the past couple of years, and a couple of my past guests have really said heaps of praises about Lighter. So I'm really excited to learn more about it and dig a bit deeper into the process that's going on behind the scenes. But before we get there, um, I just want to know a little bit about you, like where are you coming from and what brought you to to this point? Sure. Um, So I was born in New York uh, about hour outside of New York City. And I have a winding nomadic history before landing in Boston, uh, which is where I live today. I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, to be specific. 
And my background is actually in improv comedy and law, which are two things that probably would not be things that you would expect. No, they, they go hand in hand completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's an unexpected path here. Yeah, I come from a background in improv and law and somehow ended up running a tech company. If I understand correctly, before you, you started this, you, you were working on, on some policy. You, you worked at the Humane Society, right? Or do you still do yeah, work there? Yeah, so I went vegan and started eating plant-based in college for environmental reasons and then started to learn about animals and then um, had my own health changes just because I was eating better. And so kind of all three reasons that someone would want to go plant-based are in my background, the environment, animals, and then health. And I have known since I was pretty young that what I wanted to do with my life was um, work in this space. So uh, I became a lawyer because I thought that that would be the best way to make an impact. And um, pretty quickly realized that there are no laws that protect farm animals or that can really help, help on the human health side of things. And quickly moved into policy. I only spent about a year practicing as an attorney. And um, I moved into policy with the Humane Society of the United States, where I was the Massachusetts state director. And Part of my work here in Massachusetts was working on a bill that I am really honored that I touched, which is a law that prohibits the extreme confinement of farm animals. So it bans battery cages, gestation crates, and veal crates. I worked on that bill in the legislature. We couldn't get it passed in the legislature. It soon became a ballot initiative. And this fall, it passed by 77% of the vote in Massachusetts. So now gestation crates, field crates, and battery cages, plus the sale of products from those practices will all be banned in Massachusetts. Nice. Since we're going to spend a lot of time talking about lighters, so we're just going to move into that direction now because... I want to know what in, in your work as, as a policymaker gave you the idea to, to start the tech company. Working on policy can be quite frustrating. It's slow. It's very, very slow. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not very worthy of our time and our energy. But uh, as I was working on the farm animal confinement bill, I was getting frustrated by the pace of change. And um, in that context, I was starting to see the power that technology can play in changing people. And I started to realize that our movement is really about changing consumer behavior more than anything else, right? The animal protection movement and the environmental movement are fundamentally different from, let's say, the women's rights movement, the gay rights movement, or the civil rights movement. All of those movements have a common thread and a common goal, which is have the same rights and responsibilities as straight white men. But if you look at the animal rights movement or the environmental movement, the end goals are different. Really, what we're talking about is changing how consumers engage with animals or engage with products that impact the environment. And so um, I think we've had an imbalance in our uh, animal protection movement with thinking of ourselves more like civil rights, gay rights, or women's rights, and not necessarily thinking of ourselves as a consumer 
um, movement that's really focused on business. Um, and so as I started to think about how we were different and how perhaps the methodology that we were going to use to cause massive change should be fundamentally different from those other movements, I started to look into business and technology specifically and wondered how we could leverage the power of technology to help people eat better, better for the environment, better for um, themselves and better for animals. And around that time of me thinking about these things, and keep in mind, I was living in between MIT and Harvard at this time, so the technology is in the air here. I met with an incredible woman named Micah Risk. Micah is my co-founder. She's a badass nutritionist who went to Tufts Friedman School for Nutrition Science. And at the time of our meeting, I was also teaching leadership at Emerson College and was talking with a lot of people who cared about making an impact about what they could do with their work to really make an impact. So Micah thought that we were getting together so that we could talk about what she could do with her nutrition degree to have a massive impact, not just work one-on-one with people, but on a big scale. Um, And I thought we were meeting, and I secretly knew we were meeting because I thought it would be great to start a company with her. I had kind of checked her out, but with mutual friends, and I had done some background research on her. And if anyone knows anything about Micah, she's probably one of the most incredible people on the planet. So I thought, well, I'll spend some time asking her some questions, kind of feel it out, because co-founding a company with someone is a very big deal. And if I like her and I think we would work well together, I'll pitch her the idea of working together. Um, And I loved her when we met. We talked for about 40 minutes. And then as the story goes, I proposed business and she (laughs) said yes. And uh, we've probably talked every single day since then. And it's been an amazing journey with her. What exactly was the business proposal that you put forth when you talked? So the first uh, piece of advice I got when I was thinking about starting a technology company was to read the book Lean Startup. The general thesis of this book is that your company is a hypothesis that you are using essentially a scientific method to test, and then you're iterating and testing again. We had a very general idea of how do we use the power of technology and specifically software, which is fundamentally different than what I think most people do when they enter into a plant-based business. A lot of other people are thinking about CPG or meal kits or something like that with actual food. We wanted to look at software because it's so scalable. Um, So how do we use the power of software to help the world eat better? And we saw two trends emerging that we found really exciting. The first was that for the first time in human history, our food supply chain is actually coming online. So we are very comfortable buying our socks online or microwaves online, but not so much our apples. But all of that is changing. Major players like Google, Walmart, Amazon, and then well-funded startups, Jet.com and Instacart. And back then they were, I don't even know, Jet was really small, Instacart was really small, but they were emerging. Um, They're all working on solving this problem of how do we bring the food supply chain online? How do we make it digitally visible? 
And then how do we build an infrastructure so that we can move products to get them delivered right to people's doors? So we are in the process of rewiring our food system. Another way of saying this is the rest of our economy, a lot of our consumer products, uh, we now engage with them on an e- on e-commerce platforms, but we have not done that with grocery. Grocery is now coming into e-commerce. And we saw that as a fundamental shift and an enormous opportunity for our movement. Because really, as we change the way people get their groceries, we have an opportunity to make the right choices, the easy choices. So we saw that trend on one hand. And then on the other hand, we saw kind of the food as medicine trend. So as I'm sure you know, seven out of 10 deaths in the United States are caused by chronic disease. Those are our top killers like heart disease, diabetes. And there's this exponentially growing population of healthcare providers who are finding that they can prevent and reverse chronic disease by getting their patients to switch the way they are eating. And so our broad question was how do we bring these two things together? How do we help people eat better and connect them at the moment when they've said, okay, you've convinced me I need to eat better. What do I eat with grocery e-commerce? And so that was the broad idea. Now, how we exactly executed on it was a big question that we have continued to take Lean Startup and hypothesize, test, iterate on for the last couple of years. Yeah, because I read the story about the big pivot that you had back in, was it 2014? No, 2015. 15, 2015. yeah. So what was lighter before that and what what did you pivot into? Because, or you can share the story as well because it's it's quite an interesting one. Before that, so we, we spent uh, a year, Micah and I met and we spent a year without raising any money. I'll, I'll get into the details because I, I I truly believe other people starting companies is one of the most important things we can do for this movement. So um, good to know a few things. One is we spent a year working our other jobs. So we didn't like quit our jobs immediately. And in fact, I was working four jobs at the time. I was the Massachusetts state director. I was teaching at Emerson College. I was helping run um, mass voters for animals. And I was working on lighter. Um, for a year. And um, the business model that we initially came up with to build our first technology, to sort of hire our first engineer and raise our first round of funding um, was that uh, Micah was manually creating meal plans for families. So she was doing everything that a nutritionist would do with a family and then um, having the groceries delivered via Instacart. And once we had tested that manually, we got a lot of traction. It was really popular. We brought in somebody else to also meal plan to see if a lot of people were interested, and they were. Um, we raised money. We hired an engineer, and we built our first software, which essentially uploaded Micah's brain into software. So all of the questions that she would ask a family um, to successfully meal plan for them, we built software to do that for them. And then we created a, a what is now an incredibly extensive database of recipes um, and meal ideas so that we could give them the right meals and right recipes based on how much time they had to cook, what kind of kitchen equipment they have, what their goals are, what allergies were in the home, et cetera, et cetera. 
So we were running that company for about six months. We had the software launch. We were delivering groceries to people all over the country. And it was going really well, but we faced this issue, which was lighter in that iteration was just our idea of what people should be eating and Micah's idea of what people should be eating. And slowly but surely, a lot of other people in our movement were kind of interested in this idea of partnering with us. And the person who has the best story is NFL player David Carter. David Carter is an incredible human being. Mm -hmm. The 300-pound vegan. Yep. He's a good friend. Him and his wife, Paige, are probably two of the best people on the planet. David came to us because he was covered in GQ and men's health and all of these people were asking him, okay, so what do you eat? And um, David like, did not have time to answer that question for people because he could broadly give them, you know, this is what I eat in a day, but everybody's different. So to customize that kind of broad advice of here's what I eat, but if you're allergic to peanuts, you could try this. That was hard for him. He didn't have time. So we decided to partner up. Um, his brand is the 300 pound vegan and our company is called lighter. So we jokingly behind the scenes, were calling the partnership heavier because we thought that was just funny. And as we were building this, David got invited to speak on the ritual podcast. And we said, well, if you go on the ritual podcast, we can't call it heavier. That's just a joke. Let's call it stronger. But of course, we have been calling it heavier over and over and over again behind the scenes. So when he got on the podcast, he ended up calling it heavier. And you can kind of hear Paige in the background, you know, saying, no, it's stronger. And what it demonstrated to us was this problem where um, we could provide some real value to David Carter's audience um, to answer that question, what does David eat, and then customize the response for them and their lives and their families. But the branding uh, between the two, you know, combining those two things was tough. So we, we didn't know how to bring this together. I had decided at some point, you know, I like the idea of lighter becoming a force to help people. But wouldn't it be better if we just used the technology that we're building to make the entire movement 10x more effective? There are so many inspiring and motivating people out there that are spending their time and their talent and their treasure to get the word out that eating a plant-based diet is better for the planet, better for the animals, better for human health. Many of them don't have the technical capability to build software to customize their recommendations for an audience and nothing like that exists, and especially not connected into grocery e-commerce. So what if we could offer that to them? And then we don't necessarily need to build our own audience that competes with others because that's not really our goal. We can just tech enable the entire movement uh, and connect the movement to grocery e-commerce to make everybody more effective. So that's how we ended up pivoting was that idea. Um, the way to do this technically came about in a really crazy story. I'm assuming you wanted me to tell this story. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it before, but but it's a good one, definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely a very good example of what startup life can be and what you should be ready for. <laughs> yeah, so 
not last summer, but the summer before. So right as we were kind of wrestling with this problem and, you know, for all the listeners, as you build your companies, you will climb to the top of a mountain just to find out that there's many more mountains to climb. And it's good to find joy in the hike up the mountain as opposed to just thinking you'll get there at the peak because it really can be fun. But so as we were facing this mountain of how how do we use what we've built to help others, I needed to keep fundraising. So we had raised, I, I don't know how much we had raised at that time, maybe half a million, maybe a little bit more. And we really needed to kick it up to the next level. We had hired some brilliant engineers, engineers, um, talented engineers cost money. And I was on my way to the airport to fly to London to pitch to two investors in London. My amazing CTO and close friend Ron called me and he's, when Ron gets excited, I actually said this today in the office, I said, I love when Ron gets excited about an idea because he was excited today about something, but he called me so excited and he's like, I have an idea. I know what we're going to do. Blah, 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 blah. And so he went on and pitched this idea of what lighter, what we call V2, which is making lighter a platform where somebody in the movement can upload their own profile and then share that profile and customize it for their followers. So he was sharing this idea with me and I, I had a deck and I had a pitch already prepared for investors, but Ron's idea was so much better and it solved this big problem that we were having. So I said, all right, I'm getting on a flight to London. I'm not going to have Wi-Fi on this international flight. I'm landing at this time, like have as much of a deck as you can possibly prepare on that before I land. And then when I land, I'll rewrite the deck and I'll pitch this idea to the investors instead of what we were going to pitch. And that's exactly what happened. And we raised money off of that, kind of off of a, a really ugly, really ugly deck. But it was effective and it was showing, a, I think, a, a, an incredible idea. So the investors agreed and funded us and we started building Lighter V2. And yeah, so you're basically Lighter V2 is positioned kind of like a tool for, for all plan-based experts and authority figures to share their meal plans and suggestions and nutrition advice? Or does it work for simple, you know, end users who come in and then decide that they want to start eating a certain way? Yeah. So the beauty of what we do with Lighter is we serve both. The amazing thing about what we're doing is we can be kind of agnostic as to the nutrition philosophy or the recommendations of a particular healthcare provider. So we have healthcare providers on our site, like um, Dr. Neil Barnard of PCRM. You know, he has different ideas for what somebody should be eating if they have diabetes or heart disease, um, or so if they need to eat better for their heart or eat better for balancing out their blood sugar or um, to manage their weight. Those are all different recommendations. So we're able to take his broad recommendations for the way a person should be eating if they're trying to take care of their body in that way. But then we can customize that down and personalize it for the individual user. So we're serving both of them. We're customizing for um, a healthcare institution. And then we're also customizing for a patient, for example. So that shows up in two ways. We're actually addressing that in two ways now. One is on lighter.world, which is our website that's been used in over 130 countries now and has some of the most incredible 
advocates are, are featured on there and they've provided kind of what they eat in a day and then how you can easily click a button and follow their recommendations. But we are also starting to partner, deepen our partnerships with some of the other people in the movement to gray label our technology. So to essentially create meal planners for them that exist on their own site that um, are powered by later. So we've launched with uh, CHIP, which is Complete Health Improvement Program. They are probably one of the most published and um, respected lifestyle medicine programs in the country. They have a great program, um, but they were handing people booklets for explaining to them what they should eat. And now what we've done with the meal planner that we built for them is we enable uh, their recommendations to get customized for the people going through their programs and then connected to grocery e-commerce. Yeah. And that's what I was going at. That's kind of like a 10 X of the beginning idea where you said you were taking Micah's brain and putting her suggestions into software form. Cause right now you've got how many experts and how many nutritionists or people like David Carter are there? Right now we're featuring 65 experts. And we have five um, gray label sites. Um, two of them are launched and one is coming out next week, which I can't talk about, but it's very, very exciting. Uh, and then another is coming out in June and another in July. So 65 food leaders on the on later.world and then five private labels, gray labels. Now, one thing that I really wanted to ask, which I'm sure that's, a lot of people encounter this problem. Neither you nor Micah are really coders. At least if I understand correctly, you don't have that much of a technology or software background or, or anything. So for anyone who's maybe has a similar idea or has great idea, but has you know no clue how, how to write a line of code and how, how do you get something like that off the ground in terms of technology? One of the beauties, I think, of our team is, and, and this is something uh, I talk about a lot with people who are thinking about founding companies and looking for co-founders and like, who is your founding team? Um, it's easy to want to start a company with somebody who's similar to you. That said, when you are starting a company, there's so much to do that diversity of mind and experience is really important. And one of the beauties of starting a mission-driven company is that you can have this incredibly powerful glue where you all, you know, your hearts all beat for the same cause, for the same reason, but uh, you have really different skill sets. Um, if you can find that balance, I think it's great. Micah's not an engineer, but Micah's mind is very technical and is science-driven. I mean, she was a researcher for the World Health Organization. I am less of that way. I'm more of a talker and a big picture thinker. And obviously law school helped me get into details and I can do it. But I love kind of looking at the 360 view and sitting on the mountaintop and, and all that. So we're super different. And then um, finding our, our first engineer that we worked with was a woman named Christine. She's brilliant, vegan, cared a lot about the cause and was just willing to kind of quit her job and jump in and try it out. 
And then we brought in Ron, who um, worked with Verizon. He built Huffington Post Live. And Ron was an engineer who had already done a lot of his corporate work and was fired up about startups. But even, you know, even better, Ron really cares about solving this problem. He cares for all the reasons that Micah and I care. And um, I think when we connected with him, there was just something in him that that wanted to help make this real. So Micah and I didn't need to learn how to code. We needed to learn how to identify incredible people who are really smart and talented, who um, share our mission, and, and then figure out how to bring them on board. And then from there, there is a methodology to building a technology company that needs to follow a very clean process. I think one mistake that entrepreneurs make in the beginning who are not technical is thinking that this is magic and you can just make a lot of asks about, um, oh, wouldn't it be cool if the app did this? And, oh, we should rewrite and make it like this. And let's try da, da, da. So It really needs to be thought through. The product strategy and the product roadmap really needs to be thought through. And then everything needs to be treated like an experiment where you're testing it and iterating on it. And I think it took Micah and I some time to really um, develop a deep appreciation for that process, a real understanding of how to most effectively build uh, software and a full suite of product and services for um, for the movement that would be effective. But we had great people around us. And uh, I think Micah and I are always willing to be students. We very much keep a learner's mindset in all of this. I think we're fairly humble about the fact that we don't code, that our background is not in technology, um, that we still have a lot to learn. And um, I think kind of with as much humility and grace as we could bring, we brought this amazing team together who was able to come around to shared vision and then everybody could bring their skill set to building the product. When you mentioned that magic part, I I can really understand how people who, especially people who do not know that much about technology or apps would even going in still with a part of their mind want to believe that that it's magic. You know, that it's not a process like you described that some part of you still wants to believe that, yes, we're just going to wave this wand and it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it is magical. I actually do tell you just met as we were dealing with some tech issues in the beginning, um, our lead engineer, Alex. I mean, I tell him he's a magician. You know, I'll say what you did was just magic, but it's kind of with an understanding that it's not, but it feels that way. With great design and great technology behind something, it, it, it's truly beautiful. And I think we take for granted, especially those of us who are not technologists, we're constantly engaging with technology. And yet the amount of thought that we put into a button or the amount of thought that we put into um, the, the, the sequence of an event for that a user goes through um, is, is detailed and, and we take it very seriously. And I think a lot of people just use apps, use websites, um, get into cars, all of it uh, with, without understanding how it all works 
We just know it works and it will take us from A to B. And one of the beautiful parts of this journey for me has been kind of developing this reverence for people who actually are makers, who build things and and to then enable our lives to be better because of it. Yeah. So speaking of, well, that's the one thing that, that you need is this this approach, this way of thinking. And on the other side, what if we just name them, what are the key positions that you want to get filled as soon as possible when you're building something like that? What goals do you want to reach as fast as you can just to have that minimum viable product and start pitching it to, to investors? I will say that I'm assuming a lot of your listeners, if they're thinking about creating plant-based companies, will be thinking about creating a CPG company or, again, a meal kit where you're actually working with food. So it'll be fundamentally different from building software. But for us, definitely the key was finding great engineers and um, and then design. I think we've been so lucky to work with two amazing designers at Light. Uh, Kristen Lammy was our first designer. And uh, a quick note about Kristen, she was an intern. She was working for a nonprofit and had a break in between when, when she would be able to go back to work for them. And so she just came in to intern for us because she thought what we were doing is cool. And as we were building, it, it was started with just Christine and I. So it was just me. I have an eye for design, but I can't actually do Photoshop, but I have, a, I have a pretty good eye for design. So it was me sitting with our engineer, eyeballing and kind of talking through what I thought it should look like. And then Kristen would kind of offer, oh, I could make that icon or, oh, I could do this. And all of a sudden she kept handing back this incredible work, but she had no formal training whatsoever in any of it. I think one of the pieces of feedback we get on our site all the time is that it's beautiful. And that's all Kristen. And it, it was Kristen's kind of learner, again, learner's mind, beginner's mind of just trying things out that really made the site, I think, look unique and beautiful. And then Ben came in, who's our designer now, who has a ton of experience. So I I think great. And he's, he's you know, taken it to the next level. But um I think that having an engineer, a designer, for us, we needed a team of nutritionists. I think something that gets taken for granted a little bit on what we've done is we have a database of over 2,000 recipes that have all been approved by nutritionists. They were all written by nutritionists and great photography to go along with every single one because we knew we really needed to sell the food. And the recipes are different because we didn't just make recipes to be delicious. We made them to fit into real people's lives every day. And because we understand users' needs, like we have recipes that are open a can of Amy's soup and toast some bread. And that's like, okay, right? I, that's the way I eat for, you know, regularly. So we wanted to make sure they reflected people's actual lives. And then we also have, of course, recipes for people who are weekend warriors who really want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. But um, so the core positions for us were engineers, designers, nutritionists who do recipe development, photography, and then the other people who help make the business run. We have a woman named Anjali, who's our chief of staff and 
sometimes we joke that I run the company, but she makes the company run. She takes care of, you know, all of the administrative work and all of the financials and all of the insurance and kind of all of the those details that are just so incredibly important. And she's really brought so much to the company as well. How big is Lighter at the moment in terms of staff? Yeah, we have 10 awesome people. 10 awesome people on staff and 2,000 recipes in, in the database. And, <laughs> yeah. and you took pictures of all of them? Yeah, there's photos of every single one. We have an incredible photographer uh, who's based in Belgium who churns out amazing photos every day. And then we had um, two other wonderful women who are doing photography here in Boston as well. Nice. One of the other numbers besides the amount of people that you have as nutrition experts and the amount of recipes that you have in your database, I wanted to know how many people you actually have working on this. Because imagine how deeply interconnected are those recipes right now? Because like for anyone listening who hasn't used Lighter before, what you just described, all those icons and and the onboarding process when you get in, Basically, you go through this whole process where you're choosing what's your appetite or you're cooking for someone else, what's in your kitchen, what kind of diet do you follow, are you allergic to something? So and I'm probably missing another five or 10 different questions. And then based on that, you start getting your meal recommendations. So I'm I'm guessing you've got, what, a couple dozen categories all, all cross-linked to, to the recipes to, to get that out? Yeah, there's a ton of work that's gone into that database because it has to be dynamic. So we're able to increase the serving size of a recipe based on whether somebody has a small, medium, or large appetite. We have to tag it so that if there are any allergens for ingredients or sub-ingredients, they're getting tagged. We have laid in groundwork for a lot more um, that can be done in terms of like we don't ask the question about cuisine type, you know, do you like Indian food or American food or whatever, but being able to cater to people in other countries is something that we want to get better and better at and optimize for. So all of the recipes are tagged with those things, even though it doesn't show up in onboarding yet. So we've laid the foundation for even deeper customization so that we can continue to optimize. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just recipes. And I will say that the way we think about it is fundamentally different because we're not thinking of recipes per se. We're thinking about suggestions for what people should be planning to eat for their week and putting in their grocery bag. And our work is to get that integration with grocery tighter and tighter and tighter so that we're taking the nutrition advice and translating it to a bag of groceries for people. Yes. And of course, this is the other part of Lighter. After you get all your suggestions, you can either just order them all online through through Instacart, if you live in an area that that's covered, or you can get the, the shopping list generated and then you know exactly what, what you need to buy. Yeah. Cool. So how, how far along are you? I, I need to ask this as well, because I think you, you've mentioned this before, but how far along are you in actual AI or machine learning where you would have your algorithms learn about the users and be able to suggest something to, to people before they even spend enough time on, on the site to actually give it all that info. Ron, our CTO, could answer that question in probably a way that would satisfy technologists better than I can. What I'll 
day is we have proprietary software called Helix, and um, you kind of described what it does at a high level, which is um, get to know the user and um, and be able to make the right types of meal recommendations for them. And that's something um, that, you know, machine learning, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but the more data you have, the more users you have, the more effective you can be because it's kind of taking um, data from a lot of different people and then making recommendations. The best parallel to it is kind of what Netflix would do in terms of recommending movies for you or that Amazon would do in recommending products. Um, so um, I, I doubt our, our our stuff is as sophisticated as Amazon or Netflix, but it's it's in the same vein. Yeah. I mean, at least I, I see huge potential there as well just because the more that you know about user preferences the more you can really offer them exactly what what they want and, and what they need i wanted to ask you about users and since you mentioned you know different types of cuisine you you just returned from asia and one of the guests that i mentioned at the beginning um that really had heaps of praise for you was david young from from green monday so mm-hmm. um, are, are they one of your gray label clients or what, what exactly are you doing with them? They're one of our investors. And I will say that I would love to lay heaps of praise back on him because um, so about two weeks ago, I went to Hong Kong. Um, I was speaking at an event there that Green Monday put on and it was my first time in Hong Kong. and. The first night, here's where the pitch I'll make to anyone listening. Maybe you want to start a company in the U.S. but or in Europe, but if you can start a company in China or in India, the opportunity is enormous. The need is enormous. And I spent the first night, to be totally honest, after landing in Hong Kong and spending a day um, with people who are working to solve the problem of um, kind of what happens when the standard American diet, which is so heavy in meat, dairy, and eggs, uh, starts to penetrate into other countries? Um, when I started to learn about the problem, I'm a very like happy, upbeat person. I have a lot of hope for a movement. But that night, I actually had nightmares because it really hit me how huge the problem is in Hong Kong and in China and how few people are really working on solving the problem in the countries. Our factory firms pale in comparison to theirs. The rapid adoption of meat consumption is so fast and the population is so big that they're starting to see diabetes and heart disease in young people already. And I really, I went to bed feeling like the problem that I had dedicated my life to solving got so much bigger and my understanding of it got so much bigger. But luckily I was with David and Green Monday. So being able to walk around and see what he is doing in Hong Kong, um, to see the savvy and the enthusiasm that him and his team have for this and the impact that they're making. They have four stores, which is really exciting, four grocery stores in Hong Kong. But even more exciting is their partnerships with high-end restaurants and with celebrities and with um, cultural leaders to push this idea that to be green, um, you know, you give up meat at least one day a week. And he's he just does it with this joy. And it's reflected in his entire team, um, Jenny, who 
who's his partner uh, in in the business, is just an incredible light. And, you know, there are people who, if they didn't exist, the world would just be so worse off. So it was really an honor to be able to walk around with them and see what they're doing. And I'd love to tell one story about a woman I met there. Her name is Daphne Chang. I actually knew her before. She's a chef. You should have her on the show. She's a chef who is from New York. And she was was really making a name for herself in New York. She had her own restaurant there. Uh, incredible chef. And she's American-born, but from Chinese heritage. And a plant-based publication in Shanghai wrote a piece on her that went viral. So she ended up going to Shanghai to do pop-up restaurants there. And after being there for just a little while, she realized how big the problem is in Shanghai. She realized how few people are working on the problem there. And she started to think, well, I could be a vegan chef in New York, but there's a lot of vegan restaurants coming up. Like the movement's already got a good foothold there. And she just moved to Shanghai. She just moved. And she doesn't speak the language, but she's starting a company there. And, you know, it's these type of people that I got to meet on this trip that just brought me brought back so much renewed passion and excitement for what we're doing and much more of a global perspective. Yeah, I mean, first of all, what you said about David is definitely true because Green Monday, I think they've kind of single-handedly, I don't know if you can say single-handedly when it's a huge organization like theirs, but they've single-handedly changed the way Hong Kong eats. Basically, they see the yeah. the impact that they've had it's it's just amazing mm -hmm. and the other thing is yes i i completely agree that if you have the chance to do something in in asia in in china or well india is interesting because india traditionally is a lot more vegetarian than than china obviously they are moving in the same direction of adopting the standard american diet but china is absolutely in the lead in terms of meat and, and dairy consumption. Yeah. So um, for anyone listening who has an opportunity to, to move in that direction, I think that's, that's where the future will be largely decided for us. Yeah. So um, are you doing anything with um, Green Monday as well with Lighter or how, how big is Lighter in, in Hong Kong? Because when I was talking to David, I... I kind of got the idea that he was really excited just about the things that Lighter could do in in that region. Yeah, that's what a lot of our meetings were about when I was there. And, I, and they're still taking shape, but I think we're excited by the opportunity to work there and get more involved. And this was, you know, Micah and I, when we originally thought we want to do software, it was because we wanted to be able to uh, penetrate into markets like Hong Kong and into broader China so that we could be effectively kind of moving the ball all over the world and not just in the United States. So that was what we were talking about. So um, on that, what you just said, how, how do you move forward in, in terms of marketing? Obviously, you have the people who are on your platform who are each talking to, to their own separate audiences, but how do you actually take care of marketing? What, what channels are you using to, to reach new users? Yeah, 
So one of the key decisions we made early on was not to put a lot into marketing. Um, we were focused on other KPIs, such as making sure we have strong retention. So we want to make sure that when someone comes onto the platform and is using the software, they stay. So we're building a product that really works for their life. And then also in virality. So making sure that if they come onto the platform, it's kind of buzzworthy and they want to talk about it with people. And um, those are two things that I think every software company should focus on first, because if you have a leaky bucket, if you bring users in, but they quickly churn out, or if they don't tell anyone else about your product, and you go and spend a lot of time and energy and resources on marketing, you're just bringing people in, and then they're going out the other end. So uh, we've been really focused on, on specifically those two KPIs. And then I think of money as energy. So uh, our goal is to do something new with the energy that we're bringing to the movement. There are a lot of people who are working on getting the word out about why should, people should be eating a plant-based diet and uh, really inspiring people to do that. So our thought process is why don't we just be behind those people and not try and be a voice in the crowd, but just make the each individual voice more effective. And so we actually haven't spent any time uh, or energy really on marketing or even on PR or any of it. If it comes, like if you like to do an interview, fabulous. But I want to be really careful about us getting distracted by some of that stuff. We should be building a really strong product and then serving the movement as best we can and serving our partners and their audiences as best we can. So we're focused on that. Okay, that's that's a really big decision for a startup, I, I would say. I mean, deciding not to invest in marketing, but the way you describe it, it makes perfect sense. So people should definitely take note. <laughs> What's the next step for, for Lighter? After this, where, where do you see it headed? Yes, we see two big opportunities. Um, when we were building Lighter V2, so uh, the platform with athletes and call them badass world changers, and then also healthcare providers, everyone seemed fired up. But the group of people where it felt like they were grabbing us by our shirts and saying, oh my gosh, we need this so much. Where have you been? Were the healthcare providers. If you imagine being somebody who has to tell a person that they have diabetes and you might have to cut off one of their limbs or that they have heart disease and they might fall dead you know, at their child's graduation, the acuteness of the problem is all the more apparent to you. And when you look at research that shows that that diabetes could be reversed, that that heart disease could be reversed if you could only get that person to eat better, there is a passion and a sense of urgency that comes from healthcare providers that we've found really inspiring and has made us fired up to work with them and to help them because they still don't have that much time with the patients. They're not technologists. They're not necessarily able to have a recipe database of 2000 recipes. So enabling them to be more effective at their work is something that we're really interested in focusing on. And you'll see some of that coming out in the near future. And then uh, on the other side, we see so much opportunity in grocery and e-commerce. There's a lot we can be doing to help 
companies in that space curate their stores or their products for people who could really benefit from eating more plant-based but don't know how to navigate uh, an e-commerce site or don't know how to navigate the world of emerging brands and CPG. So that's kind of lighter V2.5 or is it V3 already? Uh, all of this, all of this is in the works already. It's it's about scaling it now and kind of expanding. Yeah. So all of it's already happened at one point or another. And um, again, kind of going back to the first book that we read, Lean Startup. You you are a, have a hypothesis and then you test and learn and iterate. Um, so all of this is coming from roots and that you know from seeds that have already been planted and are already growing. And we're just seeing success in those areas. And so we want to concentrate on where we're seeing our successes. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I was thinking about even before when we were talking about all the um, badass world changes that you have on your site, if someone wants to get onto your platform to help their their audience or, or their patients, how how do they do that? What What's your onboarding process like? Do they need to get in touch or do, do you have it more automated already? No, they need to get in touch. And right now, we're really blessed to have a, a lot of people who have reached out to us with that interest. Um, I would say hundreds. And we don't have the bandwidth to focus on adding a lot more people right now. So we've let that pause for a little bit. Um, but there will at some point be a more automated process to, to do something like that. So for now, they can get in touch and we're happy to talk to people, um, but it will be a little bit before uh, we're probably able to add a lot more people but to the you're, site. You're basically primed for growth all the way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we, we've spent almost an hour talking about the entire process of Lighter. One thing that I did not ask and I always kind of like to, even though it's it's a kind of a down question. Have you had any big setbacks along the way building this? Oh, that's a great question. I love it. Uh, definitely. One of the things I mentioned earlier is that a part of the journey of being an entrepreneur is you kind of climb a mountain and then you look up and you see all mm -hmm. the other mountains you have to climb uh, and the importance in finding kind of joy in the journey. So we definitely have hit many moments where we face challenges and what we say is plot twist. Today, we are launching, um, I want to stay really general about this, but we're, we're working on a project with a partner and they, at the very last minute, because we're supposed to launch within the next 48 hours, presented a change that they wanted that is actually going to be quite a bit of work on our end. And so my Slack out to the team was in all caps and it said plot twist. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of a way of making it less about like, you know, we could say, oh crap, but that's not what we mean. And I don't want us to have that mentality because those plot twists should be expected uh, along the way and should be presumed that they will happen. And then you, if you think of it more of like, okay, fun plot twist, we've got to like address this challenge. We, you know, we're, you're better able to, um, to bring the attitude of problem solving as opposed to stress or anxiety to making the switch. And I think as a leader and I taught leadership, it's really important 
for founders and for uh, CEOs and leaders to make sure they're carrying the energy of the company and, and, you know, whatever stress you're feeling, your team will feel. And the point of the company is to not only serve users and customers and investors and everything, but also serve the people who you get to work with every day and give them a great place to work. So uh, I take that really seriously. I think the biggest challenge that we've faced, and we already touched on it, so I won't get into it too much, is um, that difference in thinking between uh, being a technical founder and a non-technical founder. I think uh, there were so many moments where, um, especially in the very beginning, Micah and I made requests that we didn't know were unreasonable and we were asking nicely and um, our first engineer said yes to everything. Um, and so, it, you know, it was really stressful for her, but because we didn't read her right and really didn't really understand that, that caused um, some, you know, some hardship for her and for us. And um, luckily we, you know, kept a lot of love in that relationship. But I think there's a beautiful quote that says, we're all chasing after beautiful ideas, but we're fallible human beings and messy human beings who have to go execute on those ideas. And so really taking time to listen and to understand um, different people who have different backgrounds has been something that's taken some time for Micah and I. But at this point, I think we are loyal to the process and big champions of it. And um, it's smoothed out quite a bit, which is exciting yeah nice now if we just track this back to you personally just like we started what is your own personal approach to getting past these plot twists or when you get to the top of the mountain you realize there's just another mountain beyond it how do you keep your drive so i have a really intense morning routine and a yoga practice so i wake up every morning and i'm not allowed to check my phone I go downstairs, I feed the cat, I come upstairs, I do yoga for a little bit, then I eat breakfast, then, then I'm allowed to check my phone to see if there are any issues, and this is probably about a half hour into my morning, and then I meditate often for quite a long time, so I think this morning it was like 40 minutes, and then I start my day, and I think that that morning routine, and you know, Micah ran like 24 miles the other day. <laughs> so for fun, or for a, a race. So we both kind of have very different ways of getting back to center and finding balance. Mine is through yoga and meditation and hers is through, you know, long runs and really hearty workouts. But maintaining kind of that mind body soul balance is really important for me and it enables me when there are those moments that are surprises or challenges or unexpected things that come up that I can kind of return to my breath and return to a I have a foundation I have an anchor that maybe isn't in a quick moment present but I can get there pretty quickly and then make decisions and and interact with everybody from that place as opposed to from some other place that maybe feels a little bit less like I'm in control of kind of my emotional response to whatever's going on. I, I, I totally, totally get what, what you're talking about here. And now just one more personal question. We've talked about what Lighter does. What do you do or what do you personally see as the best case scenario for for the future if 
all of this keeps on rolling the way it's been rolling now? Someday, I hope that we are delivering or responsible for curating groceries all over the world that are filled with plant-based, whole food plant-based foods with foods made by all of the plant-based milk companies that are going to get started and the plant-based cheese companies that are going to get started and the plant-based snack companies. And for people who really miss the taste of meat, I hope that the bad groceries are filled with clean meat products and perfect day cheese and Clara food or Hampton Creek egg products and Memphis meat. I really hope that as we grow, we grow with the rest of this incredible family of entrepreneurs who is building the, you know, who are all kind of co-creating this new future where each of us is needed to put building blocks in place. Um, and I'll kind of go back to my renewed attention to makers, which is, you know, I was on a boat recently um, as I was going to scuba or snorkel and I just sitting on the boat thinking, wow, if you think about all the things it took for this boat to get here, you know, first there had to be somebody who learned how to make boats and then motors. And then other people had to like to snorkel in order for me, for there to be a tour where I could go snorkel. And, you know, there's just human beings have this way of layering our work one on top of the other and improving and iterating and um, opening up doors so that somebody else can walk through. And I just uh, see a lot of hope for this entire space because we all are playing our parts. And I would encourage people to think less about competing with each other and more about partnering with each other and enabling each other and making each other more effective and just thinking about ways that we can make all boats rise with this tide. Yes, that's that's a great, great way to end this. So just one more thing. Where can people join Lighter or find out about more find out more about your work? Sure. They can go to www.lighter.world. And that's it, lighter.world. That's that's where your app lives. So no need to download anything. You just go there, you fill out your profile and you get started. Yep, it works on desktop and mobile. If you come to it through mobile, you'll get a banner to download the app and then you can download the app from there. Perfect. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for joining me today. I was a real delight to talk to you today. Thanks for explaining what Lighter is and what it does. And um, I'm really excited to, to see where you're taking this in the future, really. Thank you. Ditto. I'm really excited about this show. It couldn't be more important uh, for us to inspire listeners and people all around the world to start their companies and get into the game. Wow. So we look forward to meeting all of your listeners at some point. You certainly did that today. Hey, thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Have an awesome day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Okay, that wraps up episode 28 with Alexis Fox, the co-founder of Lighter. And I have to say, even though I did my research on them, just hearing the vision and how they have their business plans laid out, it still makes it all even more impressive, like by a factor of 10 at least. As you already know, if you missed anything that we mentioned in this interview, you can find all the brands, all the books, people and links in the show notes that we create for you. So just go to theplanbasedentrepreneur.com forward slash show forward slash episode 028 and you have all of that laid out. 
Another thing, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, I'd really love for you to leave us a review so we can reach more people with our content and spread the ideas and business inspiration that our guests are sharing. And if you have any questions or comments about this episode or anything else related to plant-based business ventures, you can always reach me directly by email on jerry at theplantbasedentrepreneur.com. Now that brings us to the end of our episode for today. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Till then, stay amazing and remember, the future is plant-based.